0: Hello, this is Brad Schwartz, professor and chairman of Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. On behalf of Richard Wolf Medical, the Endourological Society, and the Journal of Endourology, I would like to welcome you to the latest release in our podcast series. Each month, we will be presenting a current events topic of interest to our listeners. This broadcast, I'm happy to introduce Dr. Michael Gorin, staff urologist at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, Western Maryland, and Cumberland, Maryland, and Clinical Assistant Professor of Urology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Today, we'll be discussing where are we with prostate imaging or prostate cancer imaging. Dr. Gorn, I appreciate your expertise and your time today, and we're really very fortunate and privileged to have you on, on air today. Uh,
1: thank you very much for the uh, invitation opportunity, and thank you to Um, Wolf and the Endourology Society for uh, sponsoring this morning's conversation.
0: Mike, uh, you know, when I was a resident, we did sextant biopsies, you know, putting six biopsies in these uh, canisters and sending them into pathology. And now we have fusion biopsies, multi-parametric prostate MRIs. Can you maybe just go over a couple of those and and kind of define uh, what what we currently have uh, in, in the world of imaging prostate and prostate cancer?
1: Okay, great. So we still are to some extent performing sextant biopsies uh, or t- template biopsies of the prostate, but we have layered on top of that now performing a targeted biopsy of areas that are found on multiparametric MRI. Um, so for those who aren't familiar, multiparametric MRI is a form of uh, MRI that incorporates three phases um, the T2 weighted imaging, diffusion weighted imaging, and contrast enhancement, um, and allows the radiologist to assess the prostate for concerning lesions. Uh, scored with the PIRADS system. And basically anything that's a Pyrads uh, three, four, or five uh, undergoes a now a targeted biopsy. Um, and so we have these uh, fusion systems that have come about, which allow us to um, take the static images of the MRI, fuse them to the live images of the ultrasound, and allow the urologist to specifically uh, target those PIRADS three and five, uh, three, I'm sorry, three and higher lesions. Um, and then in addition to that, the urologist does essentially a sextant or a template biopsy. Um, and then, with that, we've been able to improve the rates of uh, clinically significant cancer detection.
0: And so, I, I was just going to ask that: what what have we gained from uh, just kind of doing the random, you know, the the random uh, uh, biopsies to the this kind of focused and and more uh, kind of uh, selective biopsies? What really have we gained for the patient in this uh, transformation?
1: Um, so. We have several pieces of level one evidence, um, which is somewhat rare actually in the field of urology, but uh, this area has really excelled in clinical trials, um, which have studied uh, the the gains associated with fusion biopsy uh, or the use of multiparametric MRI. And what we see consistently across uh, the trials that have been done is approximately a 10 to 15% increase uh, in the detection of clinically significant prostate cancer uh, over a, a standard template biopsy when fusion is employed. Um, there was one trial known as the precision trial published in the New England Journal of Medicine where uh, patients uh, uh, were randomized to either undergo a, uh, a transrectal ultrasound guided biopsy, um, or um, if a lesion was found, a multiparametric MRI, just targeting of the lesion with no systematic biopsy performed. Um, and that, And what that trial showed us is that if you use multiparametric MRI in this manner and don't perform the systematic biopsy, that you could actually avoid the detection of low-grade only prostate cancer in uh, somewhere in the range of about fifteen percent of patients as well. So, what has been gained? Um, improved detection of clinically significant prostate cancer, and depending on how you go about performing your biopsy, potentially avoidance of detecting clinically insignificant prostate cancer.
0: <clears throat> okay, great. And you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of. Um, as you know, I don't. I don't do a tremendous amount of prostate cancer, but I certainly. Uh, read a lot, and there's a lot in the news about transperineal prostate biopsy. Uh, I remember again doing those, really, and only patients uh, w- without the rectum or without any kind of lower GI tract and difficult uh, uh, to obtain. How, wh- what is trans? Why the new uh, interest in transperineal biopsy, and what does that gain us um, or or help us with uh, the fusion biopsy technology?
1: Yeah, so so transperineal prostate biopsy has. Uh really uh, gain uh, considerable m- momentum in the last, probably three plus years now. And what's gained there is that by avoiding passing needles through the rectum, you could decrease the risk of infectious complications related to prostate biopsy rather significantly. Um, so if you look in the literature, it's about probably a 1% risk of sepsis uh, with the transrectal approach. However, when you do a uh, transperineal prostate biopsy, this, uh, the risk of sepsis goes down roughly tenfold, down to uh, 0.1%. Uh, in addition to that, that 0.1% risk of sepsis can be achieved uh, without the use of any antibiotic prophylaxis uh, whatsoever. Um, so it's not only safer for patients, but also leads to improved antibiotic stewardship uh, on the part of urologists. Um, and then finally, there is some data to show that when MRI targeting is performed with transperineal prostate biopsy versus the transrectal approach, uh, that even further gains in the ability to detect uh, 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 clinically significant prostate uh, cancer um, are are made. Um, and there's some sort of complicated arguments for for why that is the case, but we do have two prospective studies now, uh, which is at, which have shown this.
0: So there actually is a, a potential gain in in the in the cancer uh, efficacy
1: as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, one, of the, one of the major reasons has to do with the ability to access the anterior prostate, um, but you know, only a minority of tumors live in the anterior prostate. Um, and so what those trials have shown is, or rather what those prospective studies have shown is that even tumors which aren't anteriorly located, um, we tend to do a better job uh, sampling MRI targets using the transperineal approach and probably a lot of that has to do with just the way that the biopsy needle now uh, comes across the entire uh, peripheral zone, so that essentially the entire core of the needle is, is within the peripheral zone. Whereas when you do a transrectal biopsy, you know you go from posterior to anterior, and so only a portion of the needle is in peripheral zone, uh, whereas at least half of it, if not more, is, is in the transition zone where we don't see a lot of tumors. And so probably for these two combined reasons we see um, uh, cancer detection benefits with the transperineal approach
0: okay great Um, switching gears a little bit um, talk to us a little bit about micro ultrasound what kind of role that might play in prostate cancer detection or or imaging
1: yeah so there's currently one uh, micro ultrasound unit on the market from exact imaging known as the exact view unit it uses a 29 uh, megahertz uh, ultrasound probe which allows for outstanding image quality um, when uh, when performing prostate biopsy. The exact view ultrasound, the the sensitivity of the ultrasound is so high that there is uh, a thought that this could potentially even replace the role um, of uh, multiparametric MRI and uh, make this sort of a more economical way of going about screening patients for prostate cancer because you eliminate the need for the expensive test of multiparametric MRI. There is uh, certainly some data in the literature to suggest that this may be the case. It's still quite early on, but there is a considerable amount of excitement surrounding uh, this technology.
0: PSMA PET has certainly occupied a lot of headline and and, uh, takes up a lot of room at meetings right now. Mike, if you could just kind of go over PSMA PET. What is it? What's it indicated for? Spend a couple minutes on uh, educating us on, on why it's important and what we should know about it.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Another very hot area in the world of prostate cancer imaging. So PSMA, uh, which stands for prostate-specific membrane antigen, is a protein which is overexpressed on the surface of prostate cancer epithelial cells. It's been a target of both prostate cancer therapeutic and diagnostic agents now for probably at least two decades. Um, But in the last several years, uh, this has really uh, come into being with the development of a handful of what we call urea-based small molecules that could be labeled with a radionuclide, whether that's an imaging-based nuclide or a therapeutic one, say one that emits alpha or beta particles. These agents have very high binding towards PSMA protein and allow for the first time to image cells that um, have an an abundance of this protein. So in the last year, we've seen the approval of um, two agents for PSMA-targeted PET imaging The first agent is Gallium-68, what's known as PSMA-11. And the second agent is known as 18F-DCF-PYL, or as it goes by its trade name, Polarify. Um, These agents are both approved by the FDA and are um, becoming more widely available for PET imaging of prostate cancer. These tests are indicated in the evaluation of patients who are newly diagnosed with prostate cancer, who have, say, unfavorable or high-risk prostate cancer for whom you're concerned uh, may harbor metastatic disease. You could get this PET imaging test to um, reconcile uh, what their um, exact N&M stage is. The current guidelines from the National Comprehensive Cancer Network state that you could use one of these uh, imaging tests in place now, a bone scan and CT scan for For staging your patients. The other indication for these uh, imaging tests is in patients with a rising PSA level after prostate cancer uh, treatment. And where we have seen probably the greatest utility of these imaging tests is patients who have had either radical prostatectomy or uh, radiation therapy for primary treatment of prostate cancer and now have a rising PSA level afterwards, uh, what we would term biochemical recurrence. And you could perform now this imaging test to determine whether or not the patient has. a a local or a distant recurrence and plan their salvage therapies directed based on the results of these uh, these imaging tests. Certainly there are other places that one could use PSMA uh, PET imaging as well. But those are really the two areas which the uh, label indicates that they should be used and where the the data is uh, is most robust. The last thing I would say about PSMA targeted not so much imaging, but in therapeutics Is that we now um, have just i believe it was last week or the week before a therapeutic agent that's been approved that targets psma again a urea-based small molecule targeting psma which is labeled with uh, lutetium 177 and this agent indicated for men with castration resistant metastatic prostate cancer the molecule binds to prostate cancer cells and then emits beta particles where it then causes damage to the prostate cancer's uh, dna and apoptosis Um, and has been shown to have um, a a survival benefit in men who receive this therapy.
0: And so you mentioned a lot about the, like you said, the radiographic and and kind of the imaging aspects. Uh, Are they able to tie in um, any of the prostate biopsy performance with the PSMA PET? Is there any type of enhanced prostate cancer diagnostic or diagnosis with the PSMA PET?
1: So right now in the United States, PSMA PET is only indicated for patients who have an established diagnosis of prostate cancer. However, uh, there have been some uh, research studies that have been done where patients undergo both a multiparametric MRI um, as well as a PSMA PET, and then prostate biopsies are performed, targeting any lesions which are either PET avid or positive on multiparametric MRI or both. And then the sensitivity and specificity of these imaging tests have been compared. And what has been shown in particular um, in one trial known as the, uh, the primary trial, which is published in European Urology, showed that PSMA PET basically detects all the same things that multiparametric MRI does. Maybe a few more percentage points of things can be uh, diagnosed, a few percentage points of things with multiparametric MRI that aren't diagnosed with PSMA PET. But when you use um, both of these uh, imaging agents together, they're sort of the sum of them is better than the individual parts. Um, And and so while it's not yet approved for this indication, there definitely is data to show that uh, using these two imaging uh, modalities in combination together yields uh, the highest detection of clinically significant prostate cancer. So this is an area which, um, you know, we'll be following quite closely because perhaps in the future, we will see PSMA PET start being used more and more in prostate diagnosis. One area where PSMA PET is routinely used in prostate cancer uh, biopsy is in patients who have undergone radiation therapy, and now they have a rising PSA level afterwards. If on PSMA PET, we see a uh, local only recurrence in those patients, we could use most of the uh, commercially available uh, fusion platforms, but rather than performing an MRI ultrasound fusion, now we could perform a PSMA PET to ultrasound fusion or a triple fusion, where we also incorporate multi-parametric MRI
0: So it almost seems like the pendulum is swinging back. I mean, again, we we used almost exclusively ultrasound many years ago and kind of uh, progressed to MRI. And now we're talking about maybe ultrasound or or an element of CT imaging coming back uh, in vogue again.
1: Well, well, certainly that the use of micro ultrasound and PSMA uh, PET CT has augmented our ability to detect prostate cancer. And in some studies, have shown a degree of equivalence to multiparametric MRI. Um, I think it remains to be seen, though, if these things replace multiparametric MRI or are used in concert together to yield the highest rates of prostate cancer uh, detection. At least in that one trial where PET CT was used in combination with multiparametric MRI, the best results were seen when the two tests were used rather than either one individually.
0: Okay, fantastic. So in the Closing minutes, um, what's on the horizon? What is next and, and where do you think all of this is going? Uh, uh, again, kind of focusing on the patient, but also some of the science that we're looking forward to. What what What's on the horizon for prostate imaging?
1: So I think there's a few different areas that we're going to start seeing more of in the future. And the first is now that we have uh, PSMA targeted therapeutics that we know work in the castration-resistant metastatic prostate cancer space, I think we're going to start seeing those therapeutic agents pulled back into earlier stages of the disease. There's already a neoadjuvant trial, which is being performed in Australia, where patients undergo PSMA-targeted endoradiotherapy prior to radical prostatectomy, and sort of excitedly uh, awaiting the results of that trial, because I think that um, there's certainly the potential to use, uh, use this agent in both the neoadjuvant and the, and the potentially adjuvant space. And so part of deciding whether or not a patient should receive endoradiotherapy is the performance of diagnostic PSMA PET-CT to ensure that the patient you know, has lesions which are avid for these types of radiotracers. So you know, there's a potential there where we're going to see the combination of both diagnostic and therapeutics. There's also the potential to use PSMA-labeled radionuclides intraoperatively, so there's been some work which has been done where patients uh, receive a uh, PSMA-targeted agent labeled with uh, technetium, um, and intraoperatively, a photon counter is used to help identify uh, sites of disease, say like in the lymph nodes, to direct uh, the extent of a pelvic lymph node dissection that's performed. Uh, There's also been some exciting work where these same agents, rather than labeled with a radionuclide, are labeled with an optical dye so that you could use something like Firefly intraoperatively to be able to detect prostate cancer now on the basis of fluorescence signal. So I think we're going to see more more work on that. And then on the biopsy side, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of the combined use of uh, molecular imaging like PSMA-targeted PET in combination with either multiparametric MRI and micro-ultrasound to improve our our diagnostic ability uh, to detect prostate cancer and hopefully also be able to avoid the detection of clinically insignificant prostate cancer, which quite frankly, ends up becoming more of a nuisance to the patients uh, rather than a danger.
0: Wow. Sounds great. It's very exciting. I uh, always look forward to new technology and uh, where it's going to go. I think that sounds uh, fantastic for everybody. Well, uh, Dr. Gorn, uh, really, thank you very much. Uh, your expertise is uh, noted, and uh, we've really enjoyed listening about this topic from you.
1: Thank you very much again for the opportunity to be uh, part of this morning's discussion, and once again, thank you uh, both to Wolf and to the Endourology Society.
0: On behalf of uh, Richard Wolf Medical, the Journal of Endourology, and the Endourological Society, I thank you for listening today, and hope you can tune into the next podcast.